when people ask me what immersive entertainment is or what a site-specific theater is, it's storytelling where there isn't a clear boundary between the story and the audience. The boundary between the story and you is very fluid, and it just sort of wraps the audience in this story in a more immersive way. Welcome to another episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Elizabeth Lucas, the producing artistic director of Free Range Humans. How's it going, Elizabeth? Great. Thanks for having me on. You used to be at New Spire Arts, but now you're, I guess from the title, you're free. What is Free Range Humans all about? Free Range Humans is an immersive production company doing everything from site-specific theater to augmented reality. My role at New Spire Arts, we were building an arts center, and it was very much about presenting and being a place. Free Range Humans is about not having a place and doing things anywhere and everywhere that makes sense for the story we're telling. And you're on the verge of your very first free-range human production. It's a murder ballad. Yes, we're launching on Thursday at McClintock Distilling, and this is a great case where the show is set in a bar. It's a story told by a bartender, and so we're doing it in this wonderful atmosphere that feels like a bar. It's this gorgeous location, and so the location becomes the setting. Is that something that in the future you're really hoping to launch? like a production of In the Woods, maybe In the Woods. Funny you should mention that. Into the Woods was on my list for a while oh, to really? do on my farm. Yes, zoning's a little tricky on that. But that is the idea with doing site-specific theater is it may not be totally literal, but it augments the storytelling. It adds some real texture to the storytelling in a way that you can't really get if you're building a set from scratch. So, for example, we're looking at our, for our next season doing Tommy at the new Spinner's Pinball Arcade. Oh, re- oh hey. You take the material and you match a place that enhances that material. When people ask me what immersive entertainment is or what a site-specific theater is, it's storytelling where there isn't a clear boundary between the story and the audience. And that doesn't necessarily mean interactive. You know, Murder Ballad, we don't call out for words like an improv or anything like that. We don't put you in the show. But the boundary between the story and you is very fluid, and it just sort of wraps the audience in this story in a more immersive way. You have a film background, right? I do. I have three feature films, a musical and a horror flick and a sci-fi. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's fun, yeah. What did you go to school for? What was your background? How did you get into filmmaking and all this stuff? Yeah, you know, I started in opera. What? <laughs> I was at Northwestern University in the music department, and I did an ad hoc degree even from the beginning. You know, directing was always the main interest, and so I kind of made up an undergrad degree because they don't give directing degrees. I've been really directing from the moment I left school. I moved to New York after a few years. I was one of the founders of the New York Musical Theater Festival been very involved in developing new work and working with writers. And eventually I came across a story that said, you know what, this should be on screen. This isn't a stage show. So I went to NYU, got a certificate in film and made a movie. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it seems like with that, with the, that motivation is you want the medium of the art to really fit the content in that way. Exactly. That seems really important to you. Yeah. The tools are just that. You know, the most important thing is the story you're telling and matching that with the imagery that will enhance it and giving it sort of resonance. And sometimes film is best for that, and sometimes stage is best. And sometimes, you know, augmented reality where where you're going to interact in a completely different technological way is fantastic. So I don't want to be limited by the tools. I want to be able to just come up with the best way to tell it. So with augmented reality, would it be audiences wearing VR helmets? It's a fairly wide range right now, and there's there's sort of parsing language with this new term, mixed reality. Basically, augmented reality is where you put image on top of reality. If you've played Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go 
show, for example, is location-based, but not really augmented reality until you turn it into AR mode, and then you see the little critter in the world that you're in. That would be more augmented reality. So for us, we're planning on using all of Frederick as our venue and creating an historical fiction. We'll use Frederick's history as a jumping-off point to create a, a mystery that's oh, going to cool. be sort of a mystery escape room history mashup. That could be interesting for like horror or other kind of things mm-hmm. where you could really mess with the stage space and other kind of things. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> Steve Winder over at Clue IQ and I were just emailing this week about maybe doing a co-production haunted Halloween themed mystery that would take you around downtown. I don't know if we'll get it through this Halloween, but I love his escape rooms. They're beautiful. No, Clue IQ is fantastic. Uh, previous guest on the podcast as well, if people want to hear his oh, story. <laughs> his casino background is the reason that he has I such crazy looking that. rooms. <laughs> I have a little casino background myself. Oh, really? Yeah, I directed some shows in in Atlantic City. I was told by the producer that, you know, the the tickets were so cheap because the venue owners, basically, they could either give away toasters or theater tickets. (laughs) You've moved around that. So are you a Frederick native? You've talked about New York. Okay. Yeah, I'm from Indiana originally, then Northwestern in Chicago, and then uh, New York for 15 years. But my dad has lived in Frederick for 30 years, or Newmarket. He has a horse farm out in Newmarket. And so when it was time to leave... New York City with my little ones. We just kind of parachuted out and landed in his staff house. But then I fell in love with Frederick. Such a beautiful county with a lot going on creatively, and it just feels ripe for smart, creative growth. I've had a chance, and I do suggest people check out Murder Ballad. I had a chance, as you guys do, pre-dress rehearsal run-through the other day. What was the process of acquiring the rights to it? Why'd you pick Murder Ballad? I saw Murder Ballad off-Broadway in New York City. I guess it would have been five years ago. It opened in 2013. And it's a show that's fairly simple to license. It's available but not necessarily well heard of outside of New York and certain kinds of pockets. When I was picking my first show for Free Range Humans, it was really important to me that it very clearly say adult. (laughs) (laughs) This is a show for grown-ups. It's complex. It's sophisticated. It's a thriller. It's fun. It's don't bring your children. You know, we have a lot of wonderful family entertainment in Frederick. And speaking as a parent, (laughs) you know, that's great. And I love that. But sometimes you want to go see something that appeals to your own mind and musical tastes and dramatic tastes. And, And so Murder ballad really fit the bill. The writer is a indie rock writer. She was with a band, and this is her first and only theater piece. She was brought in by this book writer, who is a, a Broadway book writer, to collaborate on this piece because they wanted a real indie rock sound, something that felt authentic and gritty and matched this dark material. You found some great voices. What was the casting process like for you? You have three local artists and you have one New York artist. Did you want to have someone from New York because it's a New York play? What led to your casting process? This has been a big learning curve for me. D.C. casts very differently from New York, and uh, I had not experienced it before. D.C. casts like a year in advance, so there wasn't even a lot of availability from wonderful actors that are in town. We brought on a local casting director, and she helped me find these three local folks, but we just didn't find the right match for that fourth character and then so that's when I called my casting director friend up in New York to send me some names. For me it's like there's a standard of quality that has to be met and all four of these folks I 100% stand behind. They're just amazing singers and, and wonderful actors. So that's the first consideration. Second consideration is how well they match that role and you know I hope we found really great matches for these and in fact there's a, a real life couple who plays a couple in the show yeah. and it really adds so much texture to the relationships there. Ultimately I hope to cast 
past, in the future, professional and local, so that these are folks I can use over and over again and can develop a following here. But when I don't have it, I'll go to New York and happily so. Sometimes limitations can make art shine a little bit brighter. I think this cast mm -hmm. really is like a good byproduct of that kind of thing. It's fantastic. And, you know, we would not have been able to do it as quickly as we have if we didn't have this quality of person. The turnaround was crazy, too, because I saw them all. I thought you guys have been together for weeks and weeks and weeks, but this is like... <laughs> a seven-day turnaround almost. We started rehearsal last Monday, yeah. But, you know, that's not entirely accurate because what made that possible is mm -hmm. that this is a through-sung show. There's no dialogue. And if you listen to the album, that's the whole show. So oh. it makes it easy to learn, put on the album and learn your role, you know. And so everybody came in already having the piece learned. We sang through it on Monday night and they knew it. They just knew it. So we had to fix some harmony here and there and, and then we were off and running. It's also a 90-minute straight-through show. It's not a big three hour two-act show. If it were a two-act show, we couldn't do it in this amount of time. Is there a rule for intermission? Does something have to be long enough for there to be an intermission? 90 minutes is usually like the outside limit. Oh, you okay. know, There are plays that will violate that, but very few. You know, people's bums get tired. <laughs> <laughs> so with your opera background, have you ever considered doing some kind of like modern opera or reinterpretation of opera or any of that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go back to opera. And in fact, I'm now on the Washington National Opera Education Committee. So it's kind of my entree back into getting to know oh. that world. I'm very excited to be part of that. There is one piece in particular. Carlisle Floyd wrote an, an opera called Susanna. It's a beautiful Americana opera. It's in English. It's a West Virginia set up in the mountains, and it screams film to me. And the music is gorgeous and accessible, and someday I want to make that movie. <laughs> so blocking for that play, Murder Ballad, it's such an intimately spaced. So when I saw it, it's a little bit smaller than what it's going to be in McClintock. By a lot, yes. But, <laughs> but the blocking had to be a real interesting process, considering mm -hmm. uh, you do some interesting thing with cell phones in this. Yeah. That I don't know if, I don't think this will ruin for anyone's enjoyment knowing this is the case. Sure. But the actors actually use real cell phones. They call each other within the play and then there's some usage of like text messages and pictures. I can't imagine that's in the original script. It like, is not. <laughs> what was your idea to add that to it? Because it really modernizes it in an interesting kind of way. I think it's so interesting how technology has changed our relationship to violence and mm -hmm. to events in the world. And, and, you know, there's this sort of distance that when you look at something on your cell phone doesn't feel real, that's different from when you experience something in real life. And that, I feel like, is one of the themes of the show that wasn't really emphasized in the original go, but is clearly there. And now that cell phones are such a ubiquitous part of our lives, you know, there's a lyric towards the end where it says she gets on her computer and it's like, that's dated. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody reads oh, their news on their I computer. I totally <laughs> took that at face value. She says computer, but she's holding her smartphone. She's holding her phone. And I'm like, I immediately just overrode that in my brain that she said cell phone. My brain didn't even skip a See? note. <laughs> For me, it's part of the immersive thing where it just takes it one more notch over into the real. And if you come see the show, and if I get this technology worked out, <laughs> there's going to be a result from all those pictures that she's taking throughout the show. The usage of them using their actual cell phones. So mm -hmm. I'm real close. So I have to imagine people who are in the seats near the actors. Like if yeah. you listen close enough, you can hear the voices coming out of each other's phones. You can. And for whatever reason, that made me feel so much more involved and in there. Cool. And like I guess I said modernizer. I, I guess the term, a better term would say grounded. It feels more like how people act, more how things are because yeah. of the involvement of the cell phone. That's been one of the amazing things about this piece. As we get into the scene work, it's so complex and so real. And it's Juicy raw. stuff. That's the raw. thing. It's such, your actors are beyond 11 by the end of this thing. And they're all very good <laughs> yeah. at just being like, ah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're pretty great. One of the things I'd love to touch on is the idea of more adult theater. I feel like there's a difference between watching an R-rated film and actually experiencing mature content mm-hmm. with live actors who are within like arm's reach. You're like you're just watching something happen. There's a deeper connection to that. Are yeah. there other things you want to explore with that? Absolutely. You know, everything I've picked is pretty grown up. For me, I'm trying to pick things that I would buy a theater ticket to as a grown-up. I I think just when you go to a theater piece that really explores complex themes, you come out a little bit changed in a way that you don't necessarily, if it's just plain light, fluffy fun. Not to say that ours isn't fun. We've (laughs) we've worked very hard to find some humor in there in a very dark subject. And comedy can be incredibly intense, too. I just think delving into those complex themes makes it more valuable, makes it a real resource for a community. You know, everything free-range humans is going to be community-building in some way. have to be together with other people to experience a free-range humans production. And whether that's live theater or augmented reality or this installation we have in our slightly more distant future, (laughs) the idea is that you come together, you experience it together, and then you have a chance to debrief with each other and and trade notes, see how differently people perceive the exact same experience. See, I love that because for me, theater is at its most interesting happening in the moment. Yeah. So... I feel like the lazy version of that are what we talked about earlier. The improv call, give us a verb, give us a, like, to me, that's like the worst, like that's the laziest version of it. When theater goes out of the way and like, I've been to plays where they've had plants. One of the people in the audience is actually an actor who joins late into the production is pulled into it. Yeah. And at that point you feel, you almost feel like unsafe or almost like, oh my, is anyone around? Is anyone else? Like it re-engages you. So I love it when they take those kind of risks. I'm excited to see more of that kind of stuff happen in town. I think this is probably creatively one of the most conservative things we've got coming up. Oh, oh, that gets me excited. <laughs> you know, immersive theater is especially, you know, in New York, but it's really, it's exploding all over the country is about sort of putting you in a way where you don't know what reality is. And there are a lot of examples of that. Thank you so much for telling me about free range humans. It was nice to find out some extra details about murder ballad <laughs> as well as McClintock. I end every interview with the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? The long-term vision that I am excited about is a community in Frederick that is engaged in the arts and in their community in a whole new way, where Frederick becomes a place where you can be surprised and delighted around every corner by art and by engagement and by storytelling. So that's, I think, what I'm most excited about is bringing storytelling to an entire community in a way that is just, it's bigger than a single show. Well, that's exciting. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you.